Welcome. As we continue on in our study um, through the New Testament, we are really moving along. This is part 228. We are on the first chapter of the uh, book of 1 John. Um, there are five chapters in 1 John, one in Second uh, John, one in Third John, and then we're into the book of Revelation. So that's seven, seven or eight weeks. And we'll be into Revelation, so the July, August, September, we'll be, we'll be into the book of Revelation. And I know some people have been asking me about that. People seem to like the study of Revelation um, and yet don't get to it very often. So I think uh, that'll be good. I'm looking forward to that. But I don't want to, you know, work too quickly over these letters that John writes because they're extremely important. And uh, they, uh, they fasted, they, <laughs> the Apostle John, who wrote these letters, is a, is a great uh, study in what happens hopefully in our lives as we walk with the Lord and how we change over the course of our lives following Jesus. And um, ultimately, all three of these letters, really the main theme is, is the love of God and walking in the light. Um, and, and throughout it, you'll just see him talk over and over again about love and love and more love. And this is the Apostle John. Um, as, he, as he nears, you know, the, the, uh, the old, latter part of his life, his older years, um, in, in the process. And lots of things have happened since the time when he started to follow Christ, many, many years before. Um, most likely this book, this, these letters are written between 85 uh, and uh, 95 AD. So um, you know from what we've been talking about with letters to Peter and the letter to Jude, um, there's a lot of persecution in the church and there's a lot of things going on as these letters are being written. Um, but John really focuses on the love of God and encouraging people to live, you know, simple lives of love and obedience in the Lord. Um, he'll talk about Antichrist a little, the false things and the false teachers that have sprung up. But primarily, he's just directing us back into loving God and loving one another and how important that is. But when John, you know, started out, he was, uh, he was pretty um, passionate's a good word, I think. He was very passionate. As a, as a younger man, him uh, and his brother James and Peter were the sort of three closest of the disciples to Jesus. He would take them everywhere. And they were the three that were sort of in this battle about who would be the greatest all the time. And um, we, we probably hear more about, uh, you know, John and, and Peter um, than, than we do just about all of them, um, except for the Apostle Paul, but he wasn't in that initial group of 12. Um, but John and his brother James, they're the, they're the sons of Zebedee. They begin to follow Jesus. They're young, and as I said, they're very passionate. And um, what we know about them, one time they, they were passing through Samaria. And remember, I've told you about Samaria. The, the, the Jewish people and the Samaritans didn't like one another, but they were passing through because Jesus would go in there. Um, and they needed to find some lodging in a village. James and John were on ahead trying to set things up. Uh, and they, um, they refused them. The Samaritans did shelter and... Uh, and so, it's a neat verse. I'm going to read you this verse. Uh, Luke 9.54. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? So they wouldn't give them a room, place to stay. And John and James said, should we, should we call down <laughs> fire from heaven to destroy them? And, and of course, Jesus says, no, no, that's not what our mission is. That's not what we're going to do. From that, they sort of got the nicknames the Sons of Thunder. You might hear him referred to as that. So they were, like I said, extremely passionate, and they, they hadn't quite figured out the entire thing yet. And another time and place, um, they see a, a guy driving out demons in Jesus' name, 
but he wasn't one of the twelve. And uh, in Mark 9.38, it says this, A teacher said, John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. And Jesus said, no, no, that's, that's not, you know, it's, if it's if kind of, you know, if they're not against us, they're for us, and we don't need to be stopping people that are, that are trying to do the, the right thing. And so he, he told him not to do that. And then in another incident in Matthew chapter 20, um, the, the verses 20 through 20, I'll just read the first couple. Um, here's, I told you the three of them, John and James and Peter, were in this constant struggle about who was the greatest. And at one point, John and James actually get their mom in on it and ask their mom to go talk to Jesus about reserving them the best two seats uh, next to Jesus, you know, for, for all time. The places of authority at Jesus' right and left hand. They ask mom to come in and, and, uh, and sort of get to Jesus' ear and, and help him out. Um, and in verse 20 and 21, The mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. He said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit on your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. And Jesus said, you know, it wasn't his to place to do that, um, but that they couldn't really handle that anyway. And then, of course, when the other disciples found out, they were none too happy that um, John had got mom involved in the process. So this is sort of a picture of early, the early life of John and what he was like. He was, um, and maybe you can relate to that. You know, I think he was just a lot of zeal, a lot of passion, a lot of fire. And, uh, you know, he was on a mission, and anybody that wasn't like right where they were, like, yeah, okay, let's call down some fire from heaven and just deal with it right here. Jesus is like, yeah, no, that's not, that's not the program. Um, um, and what I like is that when we read about these letters now at the, you know, much later, 50 years later in, in their journey, uh, 40, 50 years later, um, he's changed. He's, he's significantly different, John is. And uh, that all that sort of, it's not that he's any less passionate, he's just less sort of severe in his passion. And, and he's a man now who's, who talks constantly about love. He's, he's extremely gentle. Um, he's, he's selfless to the point where he, he even struggles mentioning himself um, in the letters uh, and, and only does, you know, when he, he absolutely needs to in the process. So that's what we find from uh, the Apostle John now in these letters in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Remember, he's, he's going to, and he also is the author of the book of Revelation. So we're with John now for quite a while, all right, as he writes these letters. Um, and so um, probably they were written from Ephesus uh, at around, like I said, A.D. 85 to 95 and circulated uh, throughout the churches of Asia. Um, they were accepted by the whole church, um, you know, immediately as, as God-inspired um, canon. And we actually have um, historical... Um, teachings, expositions from John's writings as early as 150 A.D. That means the church had already accepted them was teaching from them um, in 150 A.D., which is really pretty quick. In the pro- I mean, and, and they were probably doing it sooner than that. We have records of it right there. And so First uh, John 1 really is a pretty small, simple introduction to the, the book, and I'm only going to do that part of it and just talk for a few minutes about it um, tonight, and, and then uh, the second chapter is a little longer, and the other chapter is pretty short, but filled with um, all sorts of amazing stuff. And so let me read to you First uh, John 1. You can follow along if you have your Bibles or if you're in the notes with me or whatever translation would be good. I'll be reading out of the NIV. But uh, here we go. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, 
This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we, pray, we, we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message you have heard from Him and declare to you. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar, and His Word has no place in our lives. And blessed be the Word of the Lord. So, um, we've just spent time over these last few weeks talking about First uh, um, and Second Peter and the book of Jude and how they were having to deal with false teaching and the false teachers. And um, that problem has only gotten worse now, so a few years later, as, as John writes. Um, these false teachings are causing a great deal of confusion for the believers in the early church. And John encourages them by starting this letter with the, the amazing good news of the full and abundant now and forever life that is possible for us in Jesus. That, that in Christ we have fellowship with God and with one another. And that this relationship is not based on our performance, but it's based on what He has done for us. That's how he launches into this thing to set everything straight. Listen, our fellowship with God and with one another is not based on us doing, um, you know, performing well. It's based on what he's done for us. And it's based on his grace. Because a lot of these teachings that had come in were, were off in, one, in both directions. Either they said, you can do whatever you want to do. Um, the Gnostics said, because, you know, um, your, your, spirit, um, your spirit being is separate from your flesh, and so your flesh can do whatever it wants, and it's a non-issue, which certainly isn't true. Others were, were holding them to uh, such a, a, a tight definition of holiness that um, they, they felt like they, they, uh, if once they, they sinned, which they couldn't live up to that definition, that they were no longer in relationship with God at all. And John was coming to say, listen, here's, here's the deal. Um, our relationship with God and our fellowship in Christ with one another is not based on our performance. It's based on what He's done, and it's based on His grace. And that we need to understand that that's what moves us forward in the process. But then he goes and he makes this point. We talk about this all the time in verses 5 through 7. Um, in response, our response to what he's done for us. We can't earn it. We can't perform well enough to receive it. It's all by grace that we are now in relationship with him because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. In response to that, our heart's desire is now to live by trying to do the next right thing. He says this in verse 6 and 7. If we claim to have fellowship with him... Yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. And, so, uh, and I've, I, I talk about this with you often. See, our heart's desire is... My heart's desire. Let's do that. When, when I get started every day, my, my sincere heart's desire is I just want to walk with Jesus. 
I want to live for Him. I want to spend the day in Him and with Him and through Him and live a day, live a life that pleases Him. That is my heart's desire. I understand that I, I will never perform well enough. Um, I, I understand all those things. And yet at that understanding doesn't cause me to want to go and do whatever I want to do. It, it does the opposite. It makes me want to live for Him. However, I still sometimes do things that I shouldn't do. This is part of where I'm at. It's not what I want to do, but it does happen. It, it takes and comes out of me in the process. So understanding that begins to change the way that I look at things. See, I want to live for Him, and, and sometimes I don't, but it's not my heart's desire. I'm not chasing after the darkness. I really do want to move into the light and live for Him. But what comes up then is this. What happens, even that's our heart's desire, what happens when we fall short? And John deals with that right up the bat in, in verses 8 through 10. When we don't make it, what we need to do, when we do something we shouldn't do, is we confess our sin. We, we get to God and we confess our sin. First John 1, 8 through 10. If we claim to be without sin, that was one end of the spectrum, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His word has no place in our lives. See, when, when we put this all together, our, our relationship with God is made possible because of what Jesus has done for us. Not our works, not anything else. His grace has made it possible. Taking that grace in doesn't make me want to chase after things that I shouldn't because I know that I have grace. It really does make me want to live for Him. But the reality is that sometimes I will fall short. Rather than that setting on me and making me feel like I can no longer have relationship with God, what that makes me realize is I need to go and confess my sin to Him. Because if I confess my sin, He's faithful and just and forgives us from sin and purifies us from all unrighteousness. And that word confess, we've talked about this, a very, very important word. It's a compound word in the Greek, made up of two words. Um, the, and the compound word is homo logeo, which means same word. And what we're confessing, when we go to God and we confess our sin, because um, uh, confession isn't just going and saying, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again, because that, that's very often not true. Because you might be sorry, but you might do it again. Confession is saying to God, um, same word. Your way is right, my way is wrong. Your word is right, what I did was wrong. You were right, I was wrong. Um, that's confession. What that does is make it more obvious to us what it is that we're turning to that we shouldn't because we're realizing his way was right, my way is wrong. Whatever that was um, wasn't the right choice for me and yet it was a choice I made. So I go to him and I confess it and I say, Lord, I, I am sorry that I did that and I'm, I, I want to do it your way, not my way. And, and I am absolutely forgiven. I get a brand new start. He loves me and encourages me, empowers me to walk this thing out with him. Um, and that's what's taking place in this, this opening letter. John is immediately sort of dealing with the heart of the issue, with all the false teachings going on. He's coming to them and saying, this is what it looks like. Our relationship with God is not based on performance. It's based on His grace. This grace doesn't free us to chase after darkness. It actually causes us, when we get it, to want to walk in the light. Sometimes, however, even with all that going on, we won't do what we should do. When that happens, we need to go back to God. We don't need to be afraid of Him. We need to go to Him and confess what we've done. Same word. God, you were right. I was wrong. And then He 
empowers us, purifies us, washes us, he says, we get a brand new start and we start all over again. That's the concept that he, he lays down here in this first chapter. So he can begin to talk about other things um, and, and go deeper into the teaching about what it is that happens and what we need to be aware of and what this life in him, in, in Christ, looks like so that we can experience the full and abundant now and forever life that he came to give us. And so that's kind of what's taking place here in those first ten verses. There wasn't very many. Um, and, and, you know, let me just encourage you because I uh, take some time to reread through those things today and really think about, I, I've told you, my favorite verse, um, one of my favorite verses. I got a lot of favorite verses. And you probably hear me say that. Well, that you always say that. It's my favorite verse. <laughs> but First John 1, 9 is really one of the tops in my life. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So when I, I picked that up very early on in my Christian life. Um, I used to just, I, I, had this, I had a little pocket Bible. You know, when I first got saved, I used to run nightclubs, and I was working in Marathon, and, uh, uh, and, I would, I, and, and that's what I did, so I, I kept doing that um, for some time. And I had this little pocket Bible that I would carry around, and when I just couldn't take the craziness, man, I would just like escape into the bathroom. And I was constantly reading through that. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Purify us from all unrighteousness. It was such a powerful verse. And it still is. And, and I think if we get that, again, it's um, the understanding of God's grace helps us in every area of life to, to actually get free from the garbage that used to pull us down. Because when we get grace, we, it just loses its appeal and uh, we quit chasing after it. So that's how he sets us up for the, the next um, few chapters. Um, so be thinking about that and the, the amazing power of confession, our desire to walk in the light and the relationship we have in him. And then we'll pick it up from there when we get back together next week. But that's enough for now. If you're watching by video or on television, thank you very much. We appreciate that. Love for you to come and visit us sometime. We'd love to see you here. But we're going to stop here tonight.